Well, good morning. <clears throat> My name is Dwayne Spearman, and this is Directional Bible Bible Ministries. Uh, this is a ministry uh, that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. And I certainly do hope that I've been an encouragement to you. <laughs> and I hope that we're learning together, becoming uh, disciplined in our faith and challenged. I know I'm being challenged, uh, so uh, I encourage you to uh, continue studying the Bible, word for word, verse for verse. And um, uh, I put up a few things the other day uh, on my Facebook page that uh, I would encourage you to take a look at. One of them was a real neat article. Um, I'm trying to pull that up right now. Uh, it was a comparison. Um, let me see what that was. Um, <clears throat> good morning, Mac. How you doing, brother? Good morning, Scott. God bless you both. Uh, Mac said, absolutely. That's good. We're being challenged together. Um, the article that I put up was Bullingerism, Bullingerism or Ultra Dispensationalism. Uh, excuse me. I just mentioned it's a great article. I need to read it. Um, very good article. Um, uh, it really, it really, you know, every day I'm learning more, I'm being challenged more, I'm understanding more. Um, so uh, anyway, check out that article. Uh, I did put that up on on the Facebook page. So uh, where are we at today? Let's see, the last time, uh, this is the article that I was telling you guys about, um, which you might have already seen it. Let me where to go. Uh there's my joke. And this is it. Bullagerism versus ultra dispensationalism uh, by the Brian Bible Society. Uh, the old greeter behind me. Who's the old greeter behind me? You talking about the guitar? Guitar. <laughs> yeah. Matter of fact, Scott, I think I first met you. Wasn't it at a worship conference or something like that up in North Carolina? I'm thinking at a lodge, um, and I was leading worship. Uh, yeah, I think that's where I first met you. And I know Mac, you know, I met Mac. Uh, I played worship at his church a few times. I, I did that for quite a few years. I loved doing that. Uh, both my boys followed my footsteps, Um uh, both of them are musicians, bass player, guitar players, vocalists. So anyway, <laughs> maybe I'll pull out the guitar uh, some of the time. Uh, but anyway, got that. And then yesterday, let's see, we're, here we go. Uh, we were in chapter number 21, uh, verses 21 through 33. So let's go ahead and uh, <clears throat> switch over to my e-sword here and... Um, now, of course, sounds like a movie. Paul goes to Jerusalem. Um, so Paul is going to Jerusalem. And, of course, <clears throat> he had, um, we know that when he arrived in Jerusalem, uh, he sat down and he visits with James and some of the elders. And, um, you know, and he saluted them. He declared uh, particularly uh, what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. Uh, and, of course, that was important to them because the Council of Jerusalem had sent him out to preach the gospel, his gospel, to the uncircumcision. So he's given a report, 
in regards to that. And when they heard it, they also glorified the Lord and they shared what God was doing among among the Jewish believers as well, and that they were all zealous of the law. Um, and of course, you know, they were preaching two different gospels, gospel of grace, gospel of the kingdom, and they informed you. Now, this is where the controversy comes in. Some of the Jewish believers um, are saying uh, that you're teaching all Jews. Now, understand, they don't care what he was teaching the Gentiles. Uh, they were concerned about that he was teaching the Jews to forsake Moses and to not circumcise their children or to walk according to the customs. You know, what is it there for? You need to be prepared to explain this because they're going to come once they find out that you're here. Uh, and then, of course, they say, hey, you've taken a vow. And we remember the vow back up in chapter number 18, which we believe to be a Nazarite vow. And they make a plan and they say, we're going to take uh, four men, which have also made the vow, and you guys can go to the temple openly together, and it'll show the, the Jews that you are keeping the law. And um, as in regards to the Gentiles, you know, they said, you know, just do what we agreed in regards to it from Acts chapter 15 at the Jerusalem Council. Um, then Paul took them in and purified himself and entered the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of the purification. And again, until an offering should be offered for every one of them. So so Paul is going about in an effort to convince the Jews that were questioning what he was teaching to the Jewish to the Jewish people that he had not forsaken the law of Moses. He himself was still keeping it. And when the seven days were ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up the people <laughs> and laid hands on him. So it didn't work. Uh, the photo op didn't work. And they cried out, men of Israel, this man teacheth that men, all, all men everywhere against the people. And of course, the people were, are the Jews and the law, which is the Mosaic law, and this place, which is referring to the temple. And further, he has brought Greeks into the temple and hath polluted this place. And of course, some of them had obviously, as Luke says they had seen before with him in the city Trophimus and Ephesian, and they supposed that that's who Paul had brought into the temple. And of course, he hadn't. Um, so everything they're accusing Paul of is wrong. Uh, Paul was not teaching the Jews to forsake the law. God, Paul was not teaching them to, to forsake the temple, none of that. And he did not bring a, a Gentile uh, into the temple. And of course, but, you know, who needs facts, right? All the city was moved <laughs> and the people ran together and they took people, Paul, they drew him out of the temple and forthwith the doors were shut. I mean, it's obvious they're getting ready to kill Paul. They are pulling a Stephen uh, at this point. They're wanting to get him out. They're wanting to kill him. Um, man, can you imagine if the devil got Paul that early on in his ministry? Um but that was not the case. Paul had been called to the Gentiles. You know, it reminds me of my grandmother used to tell me, uh, you're immortal until God is through with you. God had a Paul. God, Paul had a, God had a plan for Paul, and there was nothing going to thwart that plan. And, of course, you know, the people's just being moved. It reminds me so much of what's going on today 
most people you talk to, they don't have the facts. You know, um, I asked somebody the other day, when's the last time he sat down and had a latte with President Trump? You know, the only thing we know about what's going on in this world is what the media tells us. And we have to choose which truth we want to believe. <laughs> you know, I mean, the only thing I can I know about is right here in this room right now. Um, and even then, I, you know, I'm not totally sure. Um, and they went about to kill him. Tidings of the chief captain of the band, of course, um, this uh, this Roman soldier finds out uh, that they're trying to kill him <clears throat> and that all Jerusalem was in a complete uproar. And they immediately he, he immediately took soldiers and centurions and he ran among them. And when he and when they saw the chief captains, they left off beating Paul and. Um, and then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him and bound him with two chains and demanded um, who he was and what he had done. Uh, now now we see that Agabus, what Agabus prophesied would take place, did indeed take place. Um, Paul was arrested. He's bound in chains, just like Agabus said that he would be. Um, and then notice in verse number four, 34, and some cried one thing and some another among the multitude. And when he could not know for certainty for the tumult, he commanded him to be carried into the fortress, into the castle. And when he came upon the stairs, so it was, that he was born of the soldiers for the violence of the people. In other words, they were literally carrying him. They were pulling him, <laughs> getting him away for the multitude of the people followed crying away with him. Um, those are death threats. And as Paul was to be led into the castle, he said to the chief captain, may I speak unto thee? Who said, canst thou speak Greek? Are you not that Egyptian, which before these days made us an uproar and led us out into the wilderness, 4,000 men that were murderers? So now Paul requests permission to speak to the chief captain who asked him, if he could speak Greek. Now, the question from the guard is more of an act of surprise uh, because it was obvious that Paul could speak Greek because he asked the soldier, um, I would think, in Greek. Um, so, and then apparently the chief captain believed that Paul was that Egyptian who had stirred uh, who had made an uproar and led out into the wilderness 4,000 men that were murderers. We are not told why he made this assumption. However, historically, if you read Josephus, uh, Josephus gives some historical background when he said that, quote, this Egyptian, which strikingly accords with the statement here recorded by Luke, came from Egypt to Jerusalem and said that he was a prophet and advised the multitude of the common people to go with him to the Mount of Olives. He said further that he would show them from thence how the walls of Jerusalem would fall down, and he promised them that he would procure for them an entrance through those walls when they were fallen down. <clears throat> and it's quite, it's a, it's a big article, but you ought to check it out. 
Uh, he further said that these he led around about from the wilderness to the mount, which is called the Mount of Olives, and was ready to break into Jerusalem by force. But Felix, who was apprised of his movements, marched against him with Roman soldiers and defeated him and killed 400 of them and took 200 of them alive. But the Egyptian is escaped. The Egyptian himself escaped out of the fight, but did not appear anymore. So for some reason, this Roman captain here believed that he had caught that Egyptian. So now all of a sudden, Paul turns around, you know, and asks uh, to speak to the people uh, in Greek. Um, so I think that's why the Roman captain was so caught off guard by the request. Um, and then notice in verse number 39, but Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city. And I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with the hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, um, Paul here um, reassures the Roman captain that he is not the Egyptian <laughs> and is instead a Roman citizen and asks permission to address the Jews, the people. Now, remember that we talked about how Paul was uniquely qualified to be the apostle to the Gentiles because he was the only one who was both a Jew and a Gentile by citizenship. He was a Roman citizen, and Paul threw that trump card on several occasions. Uh, he was able to get out of some situations. He was able to use that card uh, to his advantage. Um, so that just tells you, I mean, God knew that when he called Paul, he had the credentials uh, to move about and to do what, what he wanted him to do. So then we break down into verse number, chapter number 22, and Paul begins to address the Jews. And he says, Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make unto you now. Um, and, when he, when, and when they had heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept them more silent. So now Paul is switching from Greek to Hebrew to address the people. And he said, I am verily a man or truly a man, which am a Jew, just like you. I was, I was born in Tarsus. See how he could relate <laughs> to both the Gentiles and the Jews, born in Tarsus, the city of Cilicia. You notice he didn't bring up his citizenship here because that's not important. He's dressing the Jews, yet brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers and was zealous toward God as ye are this day. Okay, now, first thing we see here is obviously when Usher divided the chapters, uh, he didn't pay much attention to commas <laughs> because when we finish chapter number 21, I mean, there's clearly a comma there. Uh, that would probably not be the place that I would have broke the chapter. 
Um, so, you know, bear in mind, it wasn't written uh, with chapters and verses. These are actual, um, these are these are writings and paragraphs and sentences, uh, just like we would write today, of course, in Hebrew, and it had its own distinctives. Uh, but also notice that Paul is getting ready to, to give a defense of himself. Now, that word, uh, it says, well, ye my defense. Uh, that word defense uh, is the word apologia right there. Uh, in other words, I'm going to give an answer for myself. Uh, that's where we get the word today, apologetics. Uh, it doesn't mean like my students seem to think that it means to give an apology. <laughs> it's not giving an apology, which really... An apology is a defense, is a defense. You know, I'm sorry that I did that. You know, I mean, but it means to defend, uh, to give an explanation of oneself. So he's getting ready to give this explanation of himself because obviously he's been accused of doing all these things, uh, teaching the Jews to forsake the law of Moses and not be circumcised and not walk in the customs um, of um of the Jews themselves, and notice that he spake in the Hebrew tongue. I believe he did this because it was their heart language. Obviously, uh, I think they understood Greek, uh, but Paul wanted to speak to them in their heart language. And and if you speak two languages, um, I speak fairly good Spanish, um, but my heart language is not Spanish. My heart language is English. Um, my wife, on the other hand, is, is Spanish, so her heart language is Spanish. It just means more. If you ever sat um, and listen, like I'll go into a Latin country or whatever, and I'll be listening to a message in Spanish, it just doesn't speak to me like it does in English, because in English, I understand everything and in regards to intonation. I understand the colloquialism that's being used. I, I understand pause. I mean, just so many things you miss uh, in another language that you would catch in your own language. Um, and notice he points out the the point, the part of his defense. I don't know why I capitalized and all this. Um, he points out his educational background as proof that he knew the perfect manner of the law of the fathers. So, and that he was zealous toward God just as they are. So again, Paul is giving his defense here. He wants them to understand. He sat at the feet of none other than the most respected rabbi in all of Israel, Gamaliel. So he says, I understand the law. And of course, he's defending himself um, um, from being accused of not teaching or telling the Jews to keep the Mosaic law. And then in verse number four, he says, and I persecuted this way unto death. Okay, I persecuted this way unto death, um, binding and delivering them into prisons, both men and women women, as also the high priest does bear witness and all the estate of the elders they know, from whom I also received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them which were bound unto Jerusalem to be punished. Who were them? 
the Jews that were following the way. Notice, I persecuted this way. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Those who followed the teachings of Jesus, those who repented and were baptized, those who embraced him as their king, who was going to bring in the Messiah, he said, remember, I persecuted these people. I had them killed. I bound them. I delivered them to prison, both men and women. It didn't bother me. And also the high priest, they can bear witness to the fact, and some of the elders, that I even received letters. Uh, and I went to Damascus. I went to bind, to, to, to bring these people for them to be punished. Um, so Paul is pointing out that he's a good Jew, <laughs> <laughs> that he was punishing these people. Now, we know where this is going, and he's going to take a turn. He, Paul is not saying that he was in the right here. He's just trying to let them know who he is and what he had done. Um, and then notice in, in verse number 6 um, and, and 17, because really I'm just going to read through this because this is basically his testimony of what happened to him on the road to Damascus. Uh, as he was going along in Acts 9. And he said, It came to pass that as I made my journey, and I was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell unto the ground, and I heard a voice that said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. Now, there's no doubt in my mind, as soon as he said the name Jesus, uh, some of them were getting anxious. Some of them were getting twitchy. Because um, bear in mind, he's just told them he persecuted those who followed this man, Jesus, who claimed to be the way. And they that were with me, they, they saw the light, and they were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise, go into Damascus, and there shall be told thee the things that are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the, him, the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And one an Ananias, a devout man according to the law. Um, and again, Ananias was a follower of the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there. And he came unto me, and he says, stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. In the same hour I looked up upon him. And he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. Of course, the just one is referring to Jesus. And you should hear the voice of his mouth. Jesus has truly spoken unto you. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men, and what thou hast seen of what thou hast seen and heard. And now, why do you tarry? Arise, be baptized, look at this, and wash away thy sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. So now Paul is sharing a bit of his testimony as to his conversion experience on the Damascus Road. And notice that he says in verse number 16 that Ananias, who was devout, he was a law keeper, and he told Paul, you need to be baptized to wash away your sins. This is clearly not part of the grace gospel that you and I teach today. Um, 
Um, we don't teach baptismal regeneration. Um, we teach baptism is purely symbolic of the death, the burial, the resurrection. We don't teach that it washes away your sins. Um, we don't teach. That is part of the kingdom gospel. Repent and be baptized. Um, however, there is nothing that Paul has said thus far that they would really disagree with other than I'm sure they realize he's bringing Jesus into this. But that is about to change, and it's about to change hard. <laughs> so um, so we'll, we'll finish uh, this tomorrow. Um, my, my time is up. But um, good to see you guys. Um, might break out the old guitar uh, at some point, but it's good to see you, you guys, all of you. And um, hope you have an awesome day. And, um, um, and we'll see you tomorrow morning, Lord willing. What's tomorrow morning? Um, um, Friday. So Friday would be my last day. So And then we'll get together Sunday. But uh, November, my travel schedule is starting to kick off. Uh, people ask me, you know, when do I think all this stuff is going to end? You know, the virus and... And I say, well, I, I, I have a good feeling it's all going to end the day after the election. Uh, and, of course, they, they kind of look at me. But sure enough, <laughs> the schools are miraculously opening uh, after the election. Um, so um, looks like um, I'm going to be taking a trip or two up into Ohio. Um, and I'm going to be able to get down into the South Carolina area, uh, as well in the month of November. So, um, Mac, I wish I was coming out to Texas, but, uh, I don't have anything going on <laughs> in Texas. So, but anyway, I say that because, um, you know, I may be recording these from a hotel room, uh, which is, which means I wouldn't have the guitar, uh, behind me. So we might have to be a little flexible, uh, once I hit the road in that regard. So, but anyway, God bless you guys. Y'all have a great day and I'll see you tomorrow morning. Lord willing.